Hello and welcome again to the 1099. It's the before E3 running out of the apartment. Oh my god, are we going to be late edition? Uh, put on my makeup, hold my skirt edition. <laughs> I'm here with uh, the lovely Aiden Strahan. Hi hon, how are you? I'm alright, how are you sweetheart? Yeah. All right, and on today's edition of the 1099, uh, because it's E3 weekend and uh, there's a ton to preview, there's a ton to talk about regarding the show, uh, and I, as if you folks have been listening for the past, I don't know, three or four weeks, uh, I have successfully moved into my apartment in L.A. with the uh, previous host of the 1099, Josiah Renan, and it has been a journey full of flu and dogs and flu, more flu, and then... uh, running to grocery stores and uh, not having a car in L.A. But <laughs> That's been an experience, huh? Yeah. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about less so E3 predictions. It's not terribly timely uh, anymore, but more like what we're excited to talk about at the show, uh, what we're excited to see, and you know why E3 is still to this day a, a pretty special occasion, both for media now and uh, for the public attendees who've been coming for the last three years. And it's funny, Aiden and I's first E3 was actually E3 2017, uh, the very first year that they allowed uh, public attendees to come in uh, to see the show. And that was, for all intents and purposes, uh, to put it kindly, a massive boondoggle of a show. Uh, uh, horrible. Boondoggle. What is that word? I don't know. We're, we're writers. We can use words we're not entirely sure of. Uh, that was the year security was absolutely crap. Uh, like, I'm honest to God shocked that there weren't, like, uh, more incidents, you know, uh, there were people posting on Reddit about how they, like, snuck in through the kitchen doors dressed up as, like, food service folk. And, uh, but this year seems like it'll be a pretty good one, even despite the absence of uh, companies like PlayStation. And uh, so, Aiden, we're... A- about to head out the door to Microsoft's presentation, uh, you are far and away much more of an Xbox fanboy, fangirl, fan anything, I should say, than uh, I have ever been. But I am excited because this might be a huge year for Xbox. Uh, what are you most excited to see? Man, you know, with all the rumors about Scarlet, I think it would be so cool and so interesting and just so amazing for us to be able to experience a reveal like that during our first ever briefing that mm-hmm. we've ever been invited to. True. You know, like, it's so surreal to me in general as somebody who's been in games journalism for the last five, six years of my life to finally be able to go to a briefing because mm-hmm. I've never been in town during one, right? Yeah. But also to finally get the invitation and feel like, oh, wow, I think I finally made it. You know, I finally did it. I did the thing. Did you Did you get, like, the super... I, I got on the press list uh, just after registering as media for E3. And then, like, whoops, I'm invited to the Xbox Microsoft showing. And I'm like, wait, that it's that easy? What? Yeah, right? And, uh, like, it, it never felt that easy. It never before. felt that easy. Uh, so certainly, certainly a different kind of context going in this year. Um, feeling both of our careers have certainly advanced pretty well in the last two years, I would say. Um, our that E three twenty seventeen, we were working for uh, Extra Life for Kids and their kind of editorial department, um, and that was a great experience. That was that shout was out to Jack. shout out to Jack, um, our lovely friend, and. Uh, 
I'm much more excited. It was it was just so humorous, like scheduling. I I had people reaching out from Techland with Dying Light Two. Uh, I I'm now Twitter friends with the PR guy over at CD Projekt Red. So like I'm gonna go see Cyberpunk and whatever their new demo is this year. Uh, and uh, I think overall, I'm most excited for some of those big demos because this is this is the quintessential experience of being media at e3 i i I am very curious to see like what the public experience will be like because i hope it's better than 2017 i'm sure it will be uh just because they know that like the show will die if it's like another year of uh awful press you know waiting in line for for literally three or four hours yeah Yeah, um that did not feel fair uh, and so but but i wonder like because the press is the one like getting to see like cyberpunk early or something like that. Uh, I got to wonder what the heck the public is going to be able to do there. I'm sure there'll be some sort of public facing events and they've got the E3 Coliseum with Jeff Keighley, uh, which seems like it actually does have some really cool uh, panels that I would, I would have loved to go to if I wasn't busy, you know, working in the room. Um, And speaking of working uh, probably one of the most exciting things for both of us this year, uh, you've been working uh, in the office at IGN's San Francisco yes, location, uh, and now uh, that's been mostly like working the daily win contest, uh, doing a lot of background work. And I, uh, I of course went full time freelance uh, a little over a year ago, and in that time, uh, in the last month, I got a job as IGN's weekend web producer. It's basically a weekend editor. Uh, I'm monitoring the front page. And I'm kind of assigning or writing news stories for myself uh, or other freelance writers. And uh, now we're going to be in the IGN war room uh, working with folks like uh, Sam Claiborne and Tina Amini should probably be there. I had Tom Marks, my boy Tom, hit me up on Slack when I was asking for the address. And uh, I'm sure it'll be... Shout out to Tom, who gives great hugs and has given me also given me great advice about rheumatoid arthritis for my decrepit old man hands. Um, he also makes wonderful pies. Yes, he does. He does. Uh, did you get one at GDC? Was no, that the idea? No, I did not, but I gave him lemons. Oh, all right. All right. So maybe he owes you a lemon pie. And uh, so I'm very excited to see, one, see what that war room looks like, because that's certainly, like, they'll do... They'll do some live streams, so it's like you're seeing the stage. So I'm very curious to see what the behind the scenes uh, area of that looks like, and really get a sense for how one of the biggest websites uh, out there uh, in terms of games and geek media uh, really tackles a huge event like E3. I I fully expect to be kind of hunkered down and work for a good while and just be a good little worker bee because uh, the boss folk are probably going to have their uh, brains fried every minute of every hour uh, and not have time for super pleasant shit chat. But I anticipate a really positive experience. What about you? I mean, yeah. Like, I, having had experience in the idea in office now, like, that's the most surreal aspect of my life right now. Like, oh, my God. I never thought that would ever happen in a million years. Mm-hmm. But... You know, knowing everyone on staff and being close to them and knowing what the team morale is like, like it's going to be an awesome experience. I'm so excited for it. Yeah. I really am. Like, and I, I thrive in newsrooms. You know, I come from a local background. Mm-hmm. And, like, I worked in my college paper and so did you. And, like, newsrooms are my home. And I'm so excited 
to have that feeling again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just the adrenaline rush. It, it is a very unique environment, and I, I miss and loved uh, my newsroom at Ball State in Muncie, Indiana. They About a year after I moved to Muncie for college, they took like the tiny newsroom, demolished it, and then spent like probably a couple million dollars on uh, a new lab, basically a multimedia lab, they would have called it, and uh, new like Mac computers, new carpeting, new monitor screens up everywhere, a fancy schmancy broadcast studio so you didn't have to uh, broadcast from the basement where the uh, previous broadcasting journalism thing was, uh, the green screen room. And yeah, being being in a newsroom, Esque environment for IGN will certainly be a, a massive improvement over yeah, anything. Well, and that's the thing with IGN too. Like even when you are in the office, it doesn't really feel like a newsroom because it's not really a newsroom. Yeah, you know that's that's kind of the most unique thing I've found about it in their culture, and I think that is probably what makes it so special. You, you've certainly spent way more time in the IGN San Francisco uh, office than I. Yeah, dive a little more into that. What is what is the office uh, vibe like? It's pretty casual, I'm not yeah. going to lie. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just toys. Like, it's just that's, toys. That's it. Yeah. It's just toys. Yeah. And though we, we may not be seeing too many toys at the war room just because that, that would uh, not make sense when you're dragging your luggage for a week here. Don't uh, judge us. I assume, I assume. Well, I mean, hey, I uh, in my... Los Angeles apartment here. I've got my Geralt statue, my All Might statue from My Hero Academia, my $70 Figma tracer statue, and uh, a, a couple other things around the room that I may not have unpacked yet. And um, yeah, no, I, I expect the IGN room to be as laid back as it can be for E3, but like an, a, a nice family atmosphere for sure. So we're back from what I think counts as day two of E3, uh, the Microsoft and Bethesda press conferences. We actually attended the Microsoft press conference and we helped out in the IGN war room uh, for the Bethesda conference. We'll talk a little bit about what it was like to work in the IGN war room, but first uh, we got to bathe in the green glow of uh, Microsoft. What'd you think, hon? Oh, that was actually a really good show this year. I was really impressed. Yeah, no, I for... The only thing that like bugged me about it in the end was that it was a lot of like CG trailers and not te- not terribly much in the way of gameplay. But overall, like Microsoft and Xbox have shown that they've spent these last two or three years kind of quietly acquiring game studios, and much like PlayStation did a few years ago uh, with the PlayStation Four. They're just saying, like, screw it. No, we we are focused on gaming as as our primary experience. Um, they they fully Phil Spencer fully admitted that you know, hey, we we learned some <laughs> tough lessons uh, with the launch of the Xbox One, the always online connection, and now they they've kind of uh, learned those lessons well enough that they can implement them into the next gen piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed. I mean, I think part of the magic of E3 is the spectacle that comes with yeah. all of the different press conferences, right? And Microsoft and Xbox know how to put on a show. They really do. 
And speaking of spectacle, uh, possibly not only was it a spectacle, but he was wearing spectacles, Mr. Keanu Reeves. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> so, Keanu, uh, Reeves. Uh, Keanu Reeves uh, will be a character in Cyberpunk 2077, appeared at the end of their latest like CG trailer, uh, and he's going to be playing Johnny Silverhands, who is a sort of, like, think like the Cyberpunk's version of uh, a bard in D&D. He's a rebellious rock star who has like a huge cult following and can kind of influence his followers to do as he pleases and uh, he will evidently play some sort of supporting character in Cyberpunk 27. I I am personally hoping that like he's a major character. Like I want I want to co-op this shit with Keanu Reeves. Please. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about the Cyberpunk and I'm really on the fence with it because I don't know how it's going to treat its discussion of people of color or identity. Sure. And given CD Projekt Red and their track record when it comes to minority voices, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be a positive conversation uh, or if the conversation is even going to be there. So that's what I worry about. Keanu Reeves is great and precious and too good for this world, but... I don't know if he can save it for me. The the most meme-worthy moment was uh, an audience member. Well, Keanu first was kind of <coughs> rolling through a like kind of canned, scripted speech about the game. You know, they asked me to to be a part of the game, and I love the idea so much. Uh, and the the gameplay is so breathtaking. And someone from the crowd yells, "You're, you're breathtaking. breathtaking! You're and then, breathtaking!" And then Keanu yells back, "No, you're breathtaking!" Anyway, here's Cyberpunk. And <laughs> that was pretty great. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right that like there's a lot to consider when when we are start to cover Cyberpunk as yeah. it, as it nears its release date, well, which I, I mean, believe is April 2020, but Yeah. And I think I think it has so much potential because like when you think about body augmentation and like physically being able to change your body to whatever you want it to, mm-hmm. like that has so much potential to have a really cool conversation surrounding like being transgender or body dysphoria, you yeah. know, things like that. And I think that while that obviously shouldn't be the focus of the game, it should really have those elements and really try to dive deep into them and say like, oh, hey, you know, here's this thing that we, maybe not all of us can understand, but perspective into an experience that real people have, mm-hmm. you know? And, and there's there's limitless conversation you can have about something exactly. like that, about about identity in a <coughs> sci-fi world like that. That's, that's honestly like what so much of science fiction yeah dystopias or utopias are about is identity and how it would evolve in a con in a much different context i wanted to break down a lot of tropes that we see in sci-fi and in fantasy yeah that we've seen for years like i am tired of just seeing white people yeah you know i want to see it did kind of bug me that like they went with the like white guy protagonist as opposed to the like vaguely person of color female protagonist uh, from the past couple of trailers So, uh, well, they also so, did the gameplay demo with her last year. They did, yeah. They they did like the forty minute demo. So like they're probably just, I'm sure somewhere on a marketer's spreadsheet it says that like people will react better to the like white guy protagonist on a box, you know. Right. And I think that might be the box art. But um, what else? There were like literally literally sixty games kind of teased yeah. and announced at. Uh, it was a lot. Xbox's it was show. it was kind of overwhelming. I'm what not what lie. was your favorite? Oof. That's a really good question. I'm really excited for Fantasy Star. 
Yeah, Fantasy Star Online too. Yeah, huh, and I'm yeah. also really excited for the new Tales because oh my god, a Tales game with a budget. What is this? <laughs> a sniper girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, sword girlfriend. Or no, well, she, yeah, weapon pull, girlfriend. Pull, pull a sword out of her chest and she pulls a sniper out of somewhere else. I think, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I I remember. <laughs> being very fond of the Tales games back when they were like a GameCube era. Oh, yeah, and, no, the Tales games uh, have always been really good. They're just really dated. Yeah. It, you know, that's the thing. Their mechanics are really, really old, and it's the same formula over and over and over again. And while I appreciate them greatly, like, Vesperia is one of my favorite Tales games. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It has mm-hmm. a really amazing conversation about abuse and survival and trauma and revenge and those feelings that come along. Uh, but Vesperia and um, oh gosh, what was the one that came before it? Because Vesperia is the prequel to it. Um, Don't know, but ah, uh, it'll come to me probably okay. at the end of the podcast. <laughs> but uh, so there, there was the Tales game, and then we also got a rough idea of what uh, the new George R. R. Martin mm-hmm. slash from Elden software Ring. Elden Ring. I don't like that name. But I, I I'm, like I'm down to yeah. explore this. It looks very Dark Soulsy, I suppose, but maybe more like a. Uh, From Software is really good at making worlds that feel like they're on the verge of death, mm-hmm. or that they, or like that they already fell off that cliff of death, and now they're like in a post-dead universe kind of realm, and. This felt like not quite that. It felt like there was a little bit more like you know humanity and and uh, uh, life to this, but I'm sure it'll still have that like classic like from software show don't tell kind of storytelling. Yeah. I was also really excited to see Deathloop. Uh, yeah, during Bethesda. I, so during Bethesda, I, I, my brain was down and <laughs> like we were making galleries for IGN. Yeah, and my head was kind of down in mind. So what was Death Loop kind of like? So uh, it's about two characters and two assassins, right? And they're stuck in like a time loop. It looks like, and they have to kill each other, mm-hmm. right? And there's the perspective of the woman, and she's like, "Oh, well, your death means my freedom," right? And the perspective of the man in the trailer, he's like, oh, well, your death, you know, I have to do this because I'm trapped here. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily, I'm not free here. I'm just trying to stop this chaos kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And I thought it was so cool. And it just had such an interesting style to it. And to see both of the protagonists be people of color. Yeah. You know, that was really incredible. And that's made by Arcane, who is known for uh, Dishonored. Yes. Yeah. And it was it was just so cool to see this year, especially so many different people of color being represented mm-hmm. as protagonists in different games. Even in Microsoft, I was really impressed. For sure, I still don't think it's enough. I think there's still room for improvement. But it was so nice to see other faces other than just white passing characters. Yeah. What did you think of? Uh, we'll we'll jump into IG and War Room stuff here shortly. But uh, Xbox Scarlet, you're the bigger Xbox fan than I am, and I am very excited for this. I think Xbox, I think like this could be the generation that Xbox takes back a, you know, quote unquote crown from PlayStation. Um, I feel like PlayStation has been kind of coasting on its laurels a little too much lately, but obviously they're gearing up for PlayStation 5 mm-hmm. just as much as Xbox is gearing up for Scarlet. Uh, what were your thoughts overall on like uh, the, the final, the first confirmation? We didn't see a console we didn't like see a controller we didn't even like see it on a tv screen yeah, it was or anything just teased. it was just teased and like hey here's some basic facts about it and like yes it's real yeah i think it was good to have the confirmation for a lot of people 
and I think the teaser was really nice. I really love seeing the montage of all the people who put it together and really worked hard for this. I mean, this is the culmination of years of work and, you know, to see the entire Xbox staff, like, there and having their fun at the beginning of the show, too, with the big X. It was yeah. really cute. Yeah. Uh, but I think with Scarlet, I'm a little bit hesitant because the Xbox One was so rocky. Like, I've been with Xbox ever since I was really little. I mean, even with PlayStation. But... I have always preferred Xbox yeah. just because I like the way that it feels, mm-hmm. right? The controller is far and away better, like yeah. the best controller in the industry. And I'll openly admit, I think part of my hesitance comes from the extreme lack of decision on the UI experience. Mm-hmm. Because since I got my Xbox like two or three years ago, uh, my Xbox One, I should say, the UI has changed probably about six times. I've had to relearn that system over and over and over again. Yeah, the, their UI... PlayStation hasn't really changed theirs yeah. much in 10 years. It makes but... me a little worried for Scarlet's, you know? Yeah. It, it makes me a little worried that, you know, the Xbox... The Xbox One is a great system. Yeah. It really is. But the UI is, like, what you spend yeah. the majority of your time with. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that with Scarlet, it's easier to navigate. Yeah. I hope that it is... A little bit less overwhelming because there's so many things you can do with an Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited to see the future of it. I really am. You know, I don't know if it's something that I'll invest in immediately. I'm not hyped for it. I am perfectly fine with the system that I have right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, it's something I can stand behind, I guess. Yeah. And, uh,. I, I think I'm excited for Scarlet in the sense that like here's here's Xbox's chance to like get things right. I I'm really excited. I I own a fifteen hundred dollar PC and actually just got Game Pass so I could use the um, Play Anywhere titles yes. to play Sea of Thieves with you, which has been really fun so far. That's been and I'm great. Really, I really enjoyed it. And I'm really excited to play like Forza and I guess Forza, ha- Forza and Halo <laughs> and all that. And now that they're going to do this, it had been like teased and kind of basically confirmed already, but. They're going to do that upgraded, uh, mm-hmm. all-in-one Games Pass, and I guess, I guess ultimately, I guess I'll have to do just the PC one, I suppose. Uh, but maybe I'll do that fifteen-dollar one. I'll, I will buy an Xbox Scarlet for sure. Uh, it, it just makes sense. But now I can have this like subscription model for all these games. It'll allow me to play most of them with you, mm. since you don't have a PC, or I guess it will be irrelevant if I have an Xbox Scarlet, but. Uh, they they're leaning into that subscription model really heavily, and I'm I'm kind of here for that. I'm kind of here for it at this point. I really am. I know I know there's a <coughs> lot to consider about how will it impact smaller developers and uh, well, see, that's what, how thing. does how does that like Netflix hasn't always been a net positive influence, yeah. although it has it has it has risen certain properties to a to a higher place and that's the thing i kind of appreciate about games pass especially because a lot of indies have launched on games pass yeah and a lot of indies have also launched on xbox uh live gold and 10 or 15 bucks a month is an easier investment to say like well now and now i can try this game out yeah i can try uh uh life is strange or i can try whatever other smaller or Mm mid-sized game is without having to shell over 30 40 50 bucks you know yeah yeah and like they have really good deals on it all the time. Like, yeah. I just got three months of Games Pass for a dollar. Nice. Dr- over Memorial Weekend. Yeah. Like, that was an incredible deal. And that deal, can, like, you can get it multiple times. Too. Yeah. It's not just the first sign up. 
which I think is really incredible. So personally for me, like Games Pass is something that I invest in every once in a while when I know I'm using my system. Yeah. But it's also something that I think is so worthwhile for so many people who can't necessarily afford to spend $60 on a game every time one comes out. Exactly. You know, like I can't even do that anymore. Because 15, 15 bucks over 12 months is probably 15, 30, 30 times six is like. A lot. A couple, uh, just a couple hundred. <laughs> We're writers. Well, yeah, for us. Yeah. But the, just a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but just as a couple hundred to, bucks yeah. for that couple of new games, $60 a piece. Yeah. Like that's two or three games a year. Yeah. Whereas with the Xbox games past library, you get access to hundreds of games. Yeah. Which is incredible. You know? Let's uh let's talk about the IGN war room. Yeah. And uh, so my my first time working in like a war room setting, and I believe I guess yours too. Yeah. Uh, Not the so, first time I've worked with everybody there. Yeah. But. You you've been working in the IGN San Francisco office, so it was wonderful seeing everybody like, oh hi Aiden. I'm just, I'm just the dutiful boyfriend in the background. But. I mean, I'm also sunshine, so. Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, and I'm and I'm apparently a, a black hole. <laughs> no, no, but um, opposites attract. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, so we walked to the IGN War Room, um, which is at, held at a very secret location, which we will definitely not divulge here because uh, I would probably get us immediately fired. Uh, but it's as you can expect, everyone at tables working very diligently, mm-hmm. watching the press conferences, uh, social team, news team, background team, uh, video production team. Mm-hmm. They have a... a couch studio yeah, the setup, set is really nice um, this year with miranda in her lovely puffy dress and uh she's I've, such a precious little bean what's the other hostess's name uh sydney sydney what's her last name uh goodman goodman uh she and they 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 did a wonderful job and uh they had i know that they had stig Musin from respawn uh jedi fallen order in there and they just had people kind of developers flowing in talking business talking games uh and putting out that content there and uh it's i used to work in a newsroom um at ball state and that's the closest i've kind of felt to that since then it can be very hectic and man you've (laughs) got to escape for some oxygen every once in a while and also Mm -hmm. it's like fairly dark in there like they they it's a cave it's a cave even Uh, the ign office is a cave yeah like there's a skylight that i don't think is supposed to be there but it's there and it's a blessing yeah (laughs) and uh uh, it it was very fun overall like as you can imagine not no one really has the time to have like a major conversation although like tom mark said hello uh our good friend chris reed said hello chris is basically the reason i have these various jobs because he put me on the path to daily dot which let me like go full-time freelance and uh uh no complaints overall i suppose yeah no it's been really fun. it's an exciting it's an experience. exciting place yeah and i you know i think the most surreal thing is that for both of us like this is something that we've worked so hard for for so long yeah you know i never thought that this would ever happen no. like i always just thought i would be a freelancer and always until like, you die <laughs> yeah right and that's probably the future i'm trying to be optimistic uh yeah but you know to finally be in that place with like the staff badge and like oh my god, like, holding this in my hands, like, I never thought that could happen to yeah. me. I never thought I would be at E3 with a publication like IGN. Yeah. You know, that that's huge for me. Yeah. And, I mean, and they're paying as well, of yes, course. Yes, they are. <laughs> that's a bonus. That, that helps, too. Uh, and actually, I literally, <laughs> right before we recorded this podcast, I, I'm, I'm glad I woke up when I did because we had a, a, like, producer, I'm not sure exactly what his title, but Luke Hastings from BBC Radio, 
uh, way over in the UK. It's like five o'clock their time now. Reached out and said, "Hey, we need. We would like someone to come on the show and talk for five, literally five minutes about uh, the Microsoft and Keanu Reeves and E3." And I had to do like a very general, like you know, what is E3? Um, this is obviously a very general news update program, but. Uh, got to be on BBC Radio for five yeah, minutes. Yeah, go listen to it. He did great. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to ask and see if there's a like recorded version that goes up at the end of the day or something. And I'm sure there probably is. But uh, that was super fun and very intense. The fastest five minutes of my life, for yeah, sure. Yeah, if you like his radio voice now, you'll love it on BBC. Hey. Uh, so, yeah. So, anything else about IGN War Room? Their chicken was good. Uh, <laughs> their bread was good. The black wild rice had like raisins in it. It was interesting. It was interesting. It was unique. Uh, and and just kind of we're gonna be there for most of the day today. I think. Yeah. Uh, kind of head down and work and. And then do... tomorrow, I think we're gonna be on the show floor. Yep. So I got like four or five appointments on Tuesday. I can't tell you guys where I'm gonna be yet. <laughs> uh, keep teasing. Keep teasing. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, anything else that you're excited for? Animal Crossing on Switch. Animal Crossing on Switch, you heard it here. And uh, make sure to pay attention to Aiden when she does announce her big fancy schmancy thing. And uh, check us out next week on the 1099. I'm aiming to have uh, someone to kind of have a wrap-up uh, of all E3 stuff that we went through. Um, so if you are one of my journalism friends or you're uh, you know someone working in the industry yourself and you're interested in coming on the show, please let me know. And we'll get things arranged there. So, yeah, thanks, folks, Talk for checking out 1099. Star Wars. Talk about Star Wars? Talk about EA. Oh, that's right. I oh, live with shit. someone from EA. EA did really well this year. EA did know. do really well this year. Uh, <laughs> that was uh, Josiah Renaud, um, fan, uh, Mr. Talk about Star Wars. Mr. EA, who I live with, uh, very gracefully let me into his apartment and here in the Los Angeles area. And yeah, yeah, by the Je- way, can we talk about Star Wars? Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Man, I'm getting some big... Sekiro vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we go over this during the first segment? I think we did. I think we did. That's why briefly. I... Briefly. Yeah, super briefly. But, but like, anyway. we saw another trailer for it. We saw another trailer. We saw... What was it? A trailer or gameplay? No, it was a trailer this a trailer? time. Because we saw the gameplay oh, that's and right. EA play. Yeah, and we, we saw s- another trailer. So, the yeah, trailer the, was beautiful. trailer was nice. And you can definitely feel like the Titanfall and like X-Infinity Ward influence that Respawn has always had. Uh, Cal Kestis, the hero, like swimming through a swamp towards Adats, who are like also similarly like drenched in moss and and swamp detritus. Uh, super cool, uh, and seeing the like Imperial hunter troops kind of uh, with their uh, electricity batons fighting Cal. I I'm just here for this in the I most. I mean, I'm even here for this. In like, here's a crime. Um, I'm not really that into Star Wars. No, you're not. And it breaks my heart. <laughs> but like, this is a Star Wars game I can get behind. Yeah. You know, this just looks fun and interesting, and I love the little robot. Oh my god. <laughs> and uh, uh, I did a news story for IGN actually in the war room while waiting for Bethesda. It's not going to have any loading times. It's going to be like you're going to get on your ship. And that's going to, like, mask the loading times. And you can, like, walk around and talk to characters and get a little bit of story. So, like, I always appreciate moments like that where it's like, hey, take a, take a moment to chill, man. You know, here, take a moment to, like, 
get some story in your brain. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So EA overall, really good. Greg Miller did a wonderful <laughs> job. Uh, it looked like it was a fun show. It was all the way over in Hollywood, so we didn't get really a chance to go over there. But Mr. Josiah Renan did a wonderful job. And uh, if anyone from EA is listening in on this to uh, monitor his activity, please give this very good boy a very good raise. All right. That's it for the 1099. Check us out next week. And I'm working on getting... Uh, a cool developer guest for the weekend after the week, the Monday after this. Hello, it's E3 week. Words don't work. Check us out next week. Thanks, bye.